guys, welcome back to the Heart and Hustle podcast. If it's your first time listening, welcome. I am Angelica Yard. And I am Charisma O'Keefe. And we are here every Thursday talking to you about entrepreneurship, business, life balance, health, wealth, and everything in between. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, I own a branding strategy studio named Sevenality with my husband. We've owned it for over 15 years. We do a lot of different things, especially right now, mostly consulting. We do a lot of design work, identity design, uh, just brand strategy all throughout the day. We've done websites, we do packaging, we've done signs from buildings. It's just it's a lot of things to do. So we work with a lot of different industries. And so that's kind of where I'm coming from on this podcast. And I am coming from a place of being a small product business owner with Kismet and Charisma, which is my small batch candle company uh, where I pour candles and they smell amazing. I've got to say, like, got to toot my own home with that because they're pretty awesome. I love anything cozy. I'm, I'm the girl that loves like a night in and just kind of like hanging out with a few friends, you know, having like some delicious snacks. So very big on candles, anything that makes a home cozy. So that's pretty much what we do over at Kismet and Charisma. And then I also uh, co-founded a nonprofit last year called Love Doesn't Hurt Incorporated. Uh, And basically we focus on ending teenage dating violence because there's a lot out there about um, dating violence in general um, and about domestic violence, but not so much focused on teens, which is where it starts for a lot of people. Um, and then before I did these two things, I was a wedding and portrait photographer for over a decade. And I also worked with a lot of small businesses on their branding and social media, doing kind of everything from developing storefronts to developing websites and just kind of all sorts of fun things with that. So I still do work with small businesses a little bit here and there with consulting, uh, but I'm pretty busy with the small business and the nonprofit these days. So that is where my focus is. Yeah. And so you've been doing this now for five years. If this is your first time listening, if you're back, then welcome back. We're excited. It's the end of April. It's tourist season. Um, yesterday was crazy news day. It's Prince, the day Prince died. Like, I'm like, there's so much happening in the world. Um, but really, you know, for in terms of business and, and how I'm kind of where we're focusing at is that we're really into markets are opening up and people are now that the vaccine is going on and I guess 50% of adults in America have at least received the first vaccine shot if you're doing a two-part shot then it's really getting to the point where the expectations are for travel to, to start up and then to in-person meetings and some conferences in the end part of the year have actually been confirmed which I was very surprised by that so people are really trying to uh get back into the regular base. So we'll see around Q3, Q4, especially uh, things picking up for more demand for in-person one-on-one workshops and that type of thing. So that's kind of where we are right now is focusing on setting a standard for for Q3 and Q4, because that's really when I feel like things will pick back up back to where they are and the demand is there. And so that's really kind of what we're doing right now in terms of the service side. And then on the product side, because I do own a shop as well, um, I've gotten more brick requests for wholesale. So I'm doing a wholesale catalog right now, which is scary to think about because that's not something I thought about. And it's something I wanted to do, but I think because this year started out so heavy on our client picking things back up, I kind of forgot about it. And then people are like, oh, can I get your catalog? And I was like, oh, what do you mean? <laughs> catalog for this newspaper company. So that's also something that I think that small businesses are now looking to increase 
uh, their in-store product and kind of have a diverse selection and kind of move things around, move product around as in uh, people are having more money to spend on consumer goods. So that's something that I guess I've been seeing in terms of kind of a forecasting highlight and in my neck of the woods, at least. Yeah, I definitely want to sell more in person because um, I haven't had a ton of chances to do so uh, because of the pandemic. But what I have found is that when I sell in person, it goes very well (laughs) Um, and it's relatively easy to do. Um, And so I can make in like just two hours what, you know, I might make in like a week. Um, so yeah, if I could sell in person more often, that would be fantastic. So that's going to kind of be something that I'm hoping to get more into this fall as things are safer, as things open up a little bit more. So we'll kind of see how that goes. I would love to do wholesale as well, but I also at the same time kind of feel like I don't want to (laughs) because, you know, pouring each candle, it's like, it's very, very time consuming. So I'm just not sure like time wise. Um, but I do want to get into some shops both here in DC and in the Orlando area, like that would be, that's a big goal of mine going into, um, you know, towards fall and and that sort of thing. And again, before it like wasn't a huge, you know, goal because I was like, well, a lot of people are not going into shops. And when they are going into shops, they're kind of, you know, like picking stuff out ahead of time. And just like, like, for example, like there's coffee shops in Orlando that carry, um, you know, local goods and that sort of thing. But a lot of people were like ordering their coffee ahead of time, just like walking in, walking out really quickly. Uh, but now I think we're going to see more people kind of like relaxing, staying, sitting down, um, you know, taking off their masks and enjoying their coffee. And so that's where having a product in the store would be beneficial. Um, and then with the nonprofit, we have a lot of like goals of having in-person events um, that would both raise awareness and would also be chances to be able to, uh, you know, receive money for the nonprofit. Um, so that's a, a big part of our structure. We will obviously get money like funding from um, different like state grants and things like that because we do offer like therapies and such. But we definitely want to be able to have events as well. Um, we have not moved forward with any of it because it's, I mean, you already know this, but <laughs> we haven't moved forward with any of it because it's so nerve wracking to plan an entire event and then just have to push it back. We've seen so many people have to do that time and time again, whether it's, you know, work events, weddings, personal things, whatever. And I'm just like, I am not planning a whole event so that we are going to have to postpone it. So we're trying to wait a little bit more uh, probably as we get into summer, we'll make some more concrete decisions with that and maybe have something going on in fall, most likely winter. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of just trying to wait and see how things go because everything is a little bit up in the air still. Yeah. I mean, it definitely is still up in the air. I think like you said, and I think people are taking on a lot more than they can chew in house with a lot of the bigger corporations and they're suddenly seeing that they don't have staff because of the layoffs or the furloughs that they did last year. And so a lot more companies are relying on contractors or are trying to hire. Honestly, there are some people who really are trying to push to get people back in house. But I think with so much, you know, availability out there, it is very competitive. And if your pay is not competitive, if you're hiring right now, which we are hiring right now. And so we're, we're like, you know, putting in our markets and our, and our ticks to be, make sure that we're very competitive, make sure that we're offering, you know, right hours. And we're obviously hiring a contractor, not hiring a full-time employee, but I just want to be fair <laughs> and kind of stand out so that the talent does come to us because it, there's a lot of competition. A lot of people are hiring. And so there's a lot of opportunity if you are 
a freelancer and want to work with other businesses, I would say get on these groups on Facebook and really kind of drill down to find the perfect client for you. So that way you don't have to continue to just put your resume out there, put your portfolio out there to 200, 300 people and not find the right fits for you. It's really about just kind of take advantage of an open market and be more targeted in who you're trying to work with so that you can create long-term relationships. So in the same time, your monthly recurring revenue obviously goes up because now you're working with people who fit for you and they'll start recommending you and referring you as well. So you definitely want to be more selective in this time because there is a little bit more opportunity now that, you know, there seems to be more money flowing out there in the world. And that's not the case everywhere, but right here, right now in my industry, I'm seeing that that is the case. Yeah, so we are hiring. Like, if you are a, uh, if you are a virtual assistant, please email us. <laughs> Where should they email you? Tell them. Email us at hello at sevenality, seven dot com. Uh, send us your portfolio your resume and then we'll get back to you we're being very select it's not for seven alleys specifically um seven alley adjacent company it's another company we own so uh you won't be working on the brand strategy firm side but you will be working with more of an education side um so we'll need someone who has just a strong administrative background um so if you've been an executive assistant preferably you've done virtual assistant work for a very long time, that's fine. We're looking for somebody for, with five, three years minimum experience, trying to be fair, but preferably five years from somebody who's been an admin, uh, you know, for 15 plus years. I think it, it does take a little bit more time working with people on a regular basis to get get your info. But I am not picky. We're just looking for the right fit. So if you are interested and so obliged, just email hello at sevenality.com and we'll look at your resume and get back to you. So that's exciting and terrifying to do right now as well in terms of business development. I will say that I've seen, you know, more positions opening up and and more uh, smaller, you know, and mid-sized firms and such hiring and stuff. So that's really encouraging. I know that, you know, so many people were laid off and there were a lot of budget cuts everywhere, but I've been seeing a lot more hiring, uh, at least in like the... Orlando area and the uh, Washington DC area. I've seen like those spikes happen. So definitely if you were laid off and you are looking, um, let us know, like you can drop us an email, drop us a DM, uh, let us know like what field you're looking in specifically, um, you know, and we will try to connect you because we both know a lot of people, but definitely look at other markets too. like look at markets that are not where you live because sometimes that's what it takes in a situation like this um is you know a move um so it could be could be a, a positive thing it could be a move that takes you somewhere different and you know helps you land a job that is the right fit for you but i've definitely seen a lot of people move in the last few months uh for work so i think that trend will continue going on through the rest of 2021 yeah for sure so i mean i think that's pretty much it. We have a really amazing guest, and I don't want to shorten her time. She's very thorough in terms of her topic. I won't spoil it for you. If you looked at the topic, you probably know already, but I'm a Well, I will spoil it because I will say that I really love, and this is something we touched on in the episode. I'm just going to spoil it, but I really love that you pointed out that this is something that works both ways. So you can be an author 
and you can turn. So like, let's say that you're listening and you just stumble upon this and you're not an entrepreneur, but you're like, I like to write for a living or I want to write for a living. Well, you can take this and as an author, you can become an entrepreneur with it. Or if you're already an entrepreneur that is running a service-based, product-based business, whatever, um, and you're like, I really want more income, then you can go the entrepreneur to author uh, route and really like she gives some actual good concrete ways to turn it into making income. So, and also uh, make sure that you look up her Ted talks as well and, and listen to them after she'll let you know. The the episode, she has a very special offer at the end. I'm not just saying that I want you to listen to the episode. Of course I do, but no, it is a good offer at the end of the episode. And that I will not spoil for you. So you must listen to the end of the episode. Yeah. You will find me probably taking that same offer. So yeah, definitely listen in. (laughs) All right, friends. Well, we will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening. As always, Follow us on Apple Podcasts. Listen on Spotify. We're on all of the podcast places. Follow us on Instagram at Heart and Hustle Podcast. And then also at on Twitter, Heart Hustle Pod. Use the hashtag Boss Heart. And I will be checking the hashtags and trying to see the conversation because I'm really trying to get an idea of what we can be doing as we move forward for more targeted content in the fall. And let us know if you have anybody that you would like to see on the podcast and you'd like to see us interview. Let us know if you'd like to be on it. Uh, drop us an email at heartandhustlepodcast at gmail.com. Um, and then if you also have a topic idea, we always love to hear from y'all. And just know what you're up to, know what you're interested in, and know what you would like to learn next. All right. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Have a good one. Hi, Joyce Snow. We're so excited to have you here on our podcast today. And for those listeners who are not familiar with you and your brand and what you do, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and as as well as where to find you on the internet? Sure. First of all, thank you so much for having me on your show. So I am an author success coach. I help aspiring authors, especially service-based entrepreneurs who are already experts in whatever they're doing, but they're not sure how to package their expertise into a book. So I help these kind of people to write, publish, and market their books through my publishing agency called Happy Self Publishing. And you can find all the good stuff that we do at happyselfpublishing.com. I love that. So how did you decide to write a book? And how did you choose your topic? Because I feel like a lot of people, especially if they're considering that they might write one, they feel like they have multiple topics that they might be able to cover because most of us nowadays, you know, do different things in our businesses and stuff. So how did you narrow that down? This is such a great question. So I always wanted to write a book. I think the first time when that idea kind of became very concrete in my mind was when I wrote down my goals Uh, for the first time, I guess, about 10 years ago. So one of my goals was to become an author, but I was really not taking much of an action. Uh, But about um, seven years ago, I decided this has to be the year when I'm finally writing my book. And I was looking at how can I make a difference? What can I teach people? And I asked myself, what are the kind of questions that people keep asking me about? Um, And I asked myself, what are the things that I love reading about? And it it all came back to me quitting my job and starting my business. Because back then, I was a new entrepreneur. Uh, By no means, I was super successful. But people around me thought that I've done a great job by managing to quit my job, which I didn't like, and start a business from home. So a lot of people would always seek my advice and opinion about the topic of home-based entrepreneurship. And that's something that I was also really proud of because 
I just became a mom at that time. And because of my home-based business, I was able to strike a good balance between my work and the time that I spent with my family. So I felt that probably, since a lot of people are asking me this, I should write a book on this. So this is how I actually arrived at my book's topic. But today, if I were to um, advise people, my clients, in, in helping them choose a book's topic, I actually follow a three-step process. Would you like me to elaborate on that? Absolutely. Sure. So the first step is similar. You ask a lot of questions to yourself to come up with a list of potential book topics. So these could be questions like, what are you really interested in uh, sharing? What are the things that um, you are you consider yourself to be an expert in? And what kind of things that people keep coming back to you for advice? So come up with a list of topics. And then that's the first step is to just brainstorm a lot of different topic ideas. And then from that stage, you kind of narrow down and reduce it to a fewer number of topics. So for this, you need to um, ask yourself a couple of things. Um, how can you make this book different? Because the topic has to be different, right? Otherwise, it's not going to sell. So there will be thousands of books out there on this topic. But how can you use your unique life experience to make this topic really stand out and make it look different? So if you probably have few years of experience in that topic area or if you've um uh it's if that's your profession or if you've really you know done a lot of research on that subject then you can bring your uniqueness to that topic and make it your own so that's a very very important question you may probably want to write on 10 different things but every book idea may not really stand out so can you add your flavor and make it look like a unique system that you are teaching others if the answer is yes that will help you to further narrow down and limit to a fewer topics. Then it's also important to then go and see on Amazon if people are actually buying it. Now, if you already have your own tribe, it is great because you can ask people and make them vote on topic and see if they're really interested in that. But if you don't have a big tribe or an audience yet, you can just go to Amazon and see if books similar to the topic are selling well or not. So I think that kind of a process really helps you to funnel down and choose that one a specific topic for your book. I love that so much because I feel like a lot of people, you know, are just overwhelmed because they're like, okay, well, I do, you know, like you said, you can have 10 different like topics that you'd be able to write on. There's so many things that we end up doing for our books and and become experts in, you know, multiple different areas. Right. Uh, but you really have to ask yourself, you know, is it going to be something that translates to sales? Because at the end of the day, that's why you're writing the book to actually be able to get it into the hands of people and help people you know, with the knowledge that you have, because so if it's just going to fall on, you know, a empty audience, it's not really going to be very helpful. So I love that you said, like, you know, look at everything that you can write on, but narrow it down based on like how the market is doing and, you know, how many things are, you know, are already in each market. Because also if it's oversaturated, then there's no point as well. Because I really do feel like the business uh, you know, like business books are all written about the same topics. Like when you go into like a Barnes and Noble or something like that, mm -hmm. you see a lot of things on the exact same topic over and over. So it is really helpful when you can find something that's a little bit more specific and deep dives into something that you need specifically, like a tool you need specifically for your business. 
Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that you said, go ahead and research the market on Amazon to make sure that people are buying the book. Because I think one of the biggest things about self-publishing is that people get bummed out if the book doesn't sell. But did you do the research beforehand to ensure that maybe it's a topic that some people would actually be interested in buying? And like you said, having a built-in you know, audience is perfect and it's helpful. But if you don't have the proof concept then uh, just going ahead and publishing literature it's kind of like there's so many books being published every day you know what I mean so I really mm-hmm. like the point that you said about making sure you just research to see if people are actually interested in learning more about that topic that's true otherwise people end up writing an entire book they have the manuscript but they don't feel like publishing because they realize that they've written the wrong yep, book exactly yeah. so you don't have that problem because you have a best-selling book on amazon so how does that system work and how does one even like what was that like for you what was your journey sure so when i was closer towards publishing the book the next goal that i had in mind was to also become a best-selling author and not just a published author so at that stage i started researching on all the different bestseller charts because a lot of people say that they are a best-selling author but what does that really mean i really wanted to understand that and that's when i found that there are a lot of different types of charts you you have the new york times bestseller you have the wall street journal charts you have the usa today and the amazon bestseller list so these are some of the uh, commonly uh, recognized charts the prominent ones out there and i uh, i found that people who are traditionally published and who have a huge audience uh, and distribution channel especially inside bookstores they are the ones who can easily aspire for new york times bestseller but if you're not traditionally published and you don't have a huge audience the easiest chart to aspire for is the amazon bestseller charts so that's why i started looking at what can be done to reach this particular list so here is how it works so amazon has a bestseller list for every category and subcategory so when somebody says i'm an amazon bestseller it doesn't mean that their book is at number is at number 1 in the entire bookstore but it could be at the number 1 position in one of the categories or subcategories so that's one important thing the second thing about amazon which is great is all the other charts are weekly charts but amazon is an hourly chart so every one hour they update their uh, list of books so the book that has sold the highest in the last one hour will be in the number 1 position the second highest will be in the second position so that's how it works so what this essentially means is the total number of books that you sell really doesn't matter the category in which your book is placed and the speed at which you sell your books that's what really matters so which means we need to educate our audience and tell them when should they be buying the book if we don't create that urgency you may have well meaning friends who want to support you but they will buy your book a week later which is not going to contribute to the best seller charts so i made a list of all my contacts and informed them on the exact dates when i want them to buy my book and i really priced it at a very affordable price of 99 cents for my ebook and i did not just depend on my audience but i also started reaching out to other people's audience so i started to go on podcasts and spoke about my book and told them when it's actually launching and when it can be available and i also started contacting a lot of these promotional websites who have a huge email list of readers they are some of them are free some of them are paid but it's really worth the money to spend on these promotional websites who have guaranteed sales for you because they have a good uh, quality email list so i think the cumulative effort of using my audience and other people's audience uh, pricing the book at the right price inside the right categories helped my book to reach the number 1 position in several categories 
And then I just assume that it's like one list or, you know, like I didn't really know that there was like multiple lists that you can kind of like aim for, you know, different ones. And I definitely didn't know that like, you know, depending on where you're coming from or what you're writing about, some lists are going to be, you know, more beneficial than others. That's awesome to know. Yeah, because there are so many misconceptions around the bestseller charts that people think it's nearly impossible if you don't have the support of a traditional publishing house, but it's not really necessary. Mm -hmm. If you just make use of your own existing network and resources, it's uh, very much possible. Yeah, I would have never thought that like independent publishers, like self-publishers would be able to make to those lists. That's something that I honestly just did not know. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm sure we can use this strategy for your next book. Yeah, that would be that would be ideal. Um, so we're really big fans of having more than one income stream because especially as entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. you just never really know how things are going to pan out. I think this past year has really shown us that. There's been a lot of people that offer a very specific thing as an entrepreneur, and they weren't able to offer that service, you know, during COVID and during this pandemic. Um, so I love that, like, you can be an entrepreneur, you can write about something that you know about, and then also become an author. So already that's another income stream. But um, authors actually have a lot more income streams than people probably realize. So what are some of the multiple income stream options that authors have? This is a very good question, because a lot of people think that if you're an author, your primary income stream is through the sales of the books. So even if your books sell millions of copies, the royalty that you make can just be a small fraction of what you can potentially earn if you tap into the multiple streams of income that are actually waiting uh, for an author to tap into. So I will just list a few of the important things. Firstly, an author should not just restrict their book to one format. It's important to have the book in multiple formats, the ebook, the paperback, the hardcover, audiobook, so that you actually increase your income streams just by having it in multiple formats. That's the first thing. Now, once you have your book out there, there has to be a good connection between the book and what, uh, what are the, whatever other things that you're actually selling to your audience. So uh, examples could be your online course. So if your book is like a precursor to your online course, then that could be another income stream for you because after reading your book, people would follow your podcast, they would watch your videos, And then when they know that you have an online course or a membership site, they may sign up for that. Uh, A few other things that authors can explore are physical products. Now, physical product can be of your own, but if you don't want to invest a lot of money initially, you can also be an affiliate for other people's products. So let's say your your book is about uh, yoga, then you can have a list of resources behind the book that talk about the yoga mat that you prescribe and everything else related to that topic. And you could just use the real products that you believe in and become an affiliate for all those products. So that physical products could be another source of income. Uh, Then comes events. So nowadays seminars are uh, not happening. It's not going to happen for a few more months at least. So a lot of authors are creating virtual events like online summits. And that could also be a nice source of income. You could bring other people together, interview them, put them in a summit, give free access for a few days and then uh, charge $97 or something for lifetime access. And then comes all your premium offerings. So this could be one-on-one coaching or group coaching. It could be uh, public speaking, or it could also be like what I do, done for you services. So if all of these are related to the book, then the book could be a great lead magnet to 
sell all the higher value products and services. I love that because a book is so accessible and, you know, most people can buy a book. Most people own at least a few books. Um, And so it's a really accessible thing to start out with. I think for me, a lot of times when I see like someone's doing a masterclass and it's going to be, you know, like a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars, I'm always like, "Eh, I just don't know because I just don't really know if I Mm. know that it's going to be worth it. But I think when you read an entire book from someone, you really get an idea of like what it is they can offer you and you you know after that if they you know know what they're talking about or not so it really is such a great lead into doing like you know a course or offering other services absolutely because as you rightly said when somebody has read your book they have spent five hours inside your mind so they should have fallen in love with you if you've done a great job with your book and some uh, readers would voluntarily look for ways to reach out to you they would read the about the author section, they would find your website and get in touch with you, join your email list and all that. But not every reader would do that. So my recommendation to authors is to give a free bonus. You can call it a reader magnet. Have that inside your book, which is like um, a value upgrade. So it could be something as simple as a free uh, action guide or a resource sheet. It could even be the uh, audio version of the book or a mini course or something that can add value to the reader. And if you can give away that for free inside the book, it's a great way to immediately generate leads from the book to whom you can sell your other products and services later. But if you miss doing that, then Amazon is not going to tell you who your readers are. So it's that's why it's really important to insert your reader magnet inside multiple places inside the book so that your book actually becomes like a great way to generate leads. That's amazing. And also, I think this is an opportunity, again, like you said, for authors to become entrepreneurs in a way where they can actually make a livable wage by having the multiple streams of income. Because I think prior to, you know, in the 90s and the 80s and 70s, you know, an author had to be really popular <laughs> to make a living wage. And even then you had to churn out books in an unhealthy timeline, whereas this you can create a book and then create a system, you know, create a class, create a course and let it lead. Yeah, like it works both ways, like entrepreneur to author, author, entrepreneur. Yeah, exactly. And I I look at it as a funnel. It's the author funnel, actually. And you don't need to sell thousands of copies to really uh, make this book project successful. Let me just give you an example. Let's say if 100 people buy the book, uh, each of them just buy it for, say, $2 on Amazon. So you are hardly going to make uh, $200 out of that. But let's look at the uh, back end. Now, out of those people, there will be some who will end up signing up for your online course. So let's say out of the 100 people, 10 people sign up for your online course and each of that is, say, priced at $97. So that is another, uh, how many dollars? (laughs) $1,000, right? No, 970. That's yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So now from here, out of the 10 people who sign up for your online course, let's say two people join your coaching program and your coaching program is, let's say, priced at $5,000. So that's a straight $10,000 that you're making just by selling 100 books. So I think if authors are able to calculate the ROI from the book this way, then everybody will end up writing a book. That's so smart. That's a good amount of money. (laughs) So 
uh, TEDx is really, you know, becoming such a thing. It used to be a really like small local, only a few people knew really about the tech community. And now it's kind of globalized in a way due to YouTube and the internet and having TEDx being that hyper local, you know, speaking engagement that more people, it's able to, to obtain basically becoming a TEDx speaker. But what are some ways that authors and entrepreneurs can land their first TEDx talk? Yeah, so this is exactly what I did when I wanted to get my first uh, TEDx opportunity. So what happened was I wanted to go on the stage for a long time, uh, but it was just not happening. So I thought, why should I wait to become really famous for others to invite me? Let me just proactively reach out to people and see if they want to um, have me as the speaker. So I just went to TED.com and made a list of the upcoming TEDx events around my city. And then I reached out to the organizers, that is the curators of these events, and I sent a single email to all of them, very similar, just a few parts of the, but I just tweaked a little bit and customized it. So it, the email had three important ingredients. Firstly, I told them that this is the particular idea that I would like to share on your stage. And I ensured that that idea was relevant to the theme of the event. So most events have a certain theme, so we need to just check what that is and see if our idea is uh, synergic to that particular theme. Um, and then the next thing that I told them was I said that I'm also a professional speaker and I sent them a few links to the videos that I posted on YouTube because I felt that for the organizers, it will be a huge relief if they know that this person can actually speak, right? Because that's one thing that keeps uh, running in their mind. And the third thing that I told them was, by the way, I'm also the author of this book and I shared the link to the Amazon page where there were hundreds of reviews for my book. So I felt that by positioning it this way, I was actually making the job of the organizer very easy. So out of the 10 people I reached out, seven of them replied to my email. Three of them immediately agreed to have me on their stage and I ended up speaking on two of the stages. That's amazing. And it works wow, because you're social proof. It really does. That's so wild. Your TED Talks are really great, by the way. I watched them. I watched both of them. Thank you so um, much. It's, just, it's so funny because like you would never, like if I'm watching someone, I've watched like a lot of different TED Talks and I just would have never thought like, maybe this person just decided they wanted to do it and then just reached out to people. Like you always just assume that someone like knows someone and like, yeah, you, you just never assume that somebody would just say, I'm just going to reach out and do it. But it just shows like when you ask for something, like you really can just receive it. Yeah. And what's the worst that could happen, right? They would probably just ignore the email. But I think if we reach out to enough number of people, there yeah. could be a good positive response. Yeah, that's so true. I love that you reached out to 10 because I, if I, if I got up the nerve to do it, I probably would reach out to one. And then if they didn't <laughs> respond back, I'd be like, oh, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> so I love that you were like, no, I'm going to reach out to 10 people because that really does put the odds in your favor. That's true. And I actually did not wait because on the same day, I sent the email back to back to all the 10. So I didn't have to actually wait for one person to respond before reaching out. Oh, to I love that. That's such a smart idea. I love that so much. I really hope that 
people listening because, you know, we have so many great listeners um, and we have so many people that own their own businesses and have just really interesting things to talk about. We always like end up with interesting guests and interesting listeners. So I'm hoping that I see more people, especially women of color, because so many people that follow our podcast are women of color. I hope I see y'all get out there and really just follow this exact lead, follow the formula. She's already done it for you. So just go do the exact same thing because I want to see everybody have a TED Talk because that sounds amazing. So what are three tips that you have for someone who is going to self-publish their own book? Uh, so I, I meet authors every single day and I see some common mistakes that a lot of authors make, especially if they decide to self-publish. So here are probably three things that I would tell them. Firstly, don't make the book about your life <laughs> because unless you are super popular and you're already a celebrity, your audience may not really be interested in your book's topic if it's just about you. So though I think we need to authentically share our life experience, let us not position it as an autobiography or a memoir unless you're really popular. So make the book about the reader. Do share your life experience, but let that experience be like a solution to your reader's problems. So identify your reader's pain points and their goals and desires and see how can you use your experience to give an answer to their questions and position your book to solve their problems. So that's the first advice I would give people because that way you will be able to uh, resonate with your audience better and the chances of your book selling uh, higher is more. So yeah, that's the first thing. The second thing that I would tell authors is self-publishing is a great option. No doubt about that. I'm a huge advocate of self-publishing. But just because you want to self-publish your book, it does not mean that you need to do everything yourself. You should take professional help, especially when it comes to things like cover design, editing, the interior design and formatting, um, even uh, taking some help of uh, probably a VA to schedule interviews for you, to reach out to the promotional website, scheduling, doing all of that. So I think it's really important that you don't get overwhelmed by trying to do everything yourself. A, because you're not an expert, you could be the author, the expert in that subject, but you don't have to be an expert writer. You don't have to be an expert designer. Please make use of other experts so that your book looks world-class. It may not reach the New York Times bestseller charts, but it has to look like one. So I think that is uh, the responsibility of the author. And the third thing I would tell an author is um, writing the book is just one part of the story. It's also super important that you market it really well for a very long time, because just by uploading the book to Amazon, it's not going to sell on its own. And a lot of people also focus the focus on the launch week. They also make it a bestseller. But after that, they completely forget about the book and they move on to the next project. Please don't do that. Constantly market your book. Get the best results out of this one book before you even think about your next book. So go on podcasts, run Amazon ads, do whatever it takes. Keep talking about your book. Change your email signature, your display picture. Let it all talk about your book. Keep uh, talking about your book at every possible opportunity. That's the only way your message is going to reach out to a lot of people. So I think these are some of the important things that I would tell an author. I love that because I feel like a lot of people, whether it's a book or, you know, a certain project or, or anything, a lot of times they, you're right, that first week people are really into promoting it, talking about it. They have their launch week. They're so excited. And then, you know, maybe they do really great numbers, you know, during that week. And then after that, they'll kind of be like, all right, well, it's over now. But the reality is, is that, 
you know, you might have people that were just off of social media that week and didn't see it. You might grow your audience like during that time where people, you know, share about it. Um, and then the new audience coming in wants to hear more about it. You might have someone who sees the book and it's like, oh, I really want to get that, but I'm busy at the moment or I don't have the money. And maybe the following month or the month after that, even they want to, or even someone who's not an entrepreneur when they're following you initially, it's a friend. And then maybe a year from now, they open up a business and then they find that book to be something that would be of interest to them. So it's just very important to continue, um, you know, reminding people what it is that you have on offer and, you know, continuing to market that like forever, pretty much, um, because it's it's still going to be relevant information. And again, it's, it's an entire book. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you should definitely still be telling people what you did and telling people about it and, and what they can learn and benefit from it. Yeah, I mean, my husband wrote a book. I don't even know how many years now it's been. It's been a long time. Maybe like maybe maybe long. Um, yeah. And, and that's kind of one of the topics of conversation that we that comes up often is people like, oh, you wrote a book, let me read it. And it's like it's, it's been six years working on the second book, but it, it is like you said, it definitely is something that new people are always interested in. People are always buying this book. We had another author on earlier this year, and it's been a couple months since his you know first book release, and even now people are still excited to learn about this book that you're doing. So there is something to be said about consistently marketing your product, even after it's, you know, exited that window of like expected sales, so to speak. So um, definitely. So what are some things that you do every single day to achieve balance in your life? Because I think we're, you know, still dealing with the pandemic We're we're still, you know, having to make money and you talk to a lot of people as a coach. So what are some things that you're doing to balance that time? I just love this question, Angelica. So the reason I became an entrepreneur was to achieve more balance in my life because I was not having that as an employee. So that's like my, you know, uh, guiding mm-hmm. force behind whatever I do. I just keep whatever decision I take, I keep asking myself, is it going to help me maintain the balance? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so some of the things I do on a daily basis, firstly, are my uh, rituals. So I have a powerful morning ritual, which I adapted from the book, The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. So I have this uh, uh, process where I journal, meditate, read a little bit, move my body, uh, you know, so do all the things that uh, he has recommended in that book. That's really, really been very, very powerful for me because that sets me uh, that puts me in the right mindset. My day is well scheduled because of that uh, morning ritual. Uh, the second important thing for me is, other than work, uh, I also uh, have goals for all several other areas of my life, like my family, like my uh, own fun stuff, like my hobbies, uh, travel, uh, uh, contribution. So whatever is important to me, I have set goals for these. And I translate the goals into reality by actually scheduling them on my calendar. So every day for one hour, I dedicate it to my dance classes. So it's really important for me, even during the pandemic, I was doing online, I was taking online dance lessons, because unless I schedule it on my calendar, it's not going to happen. So I see a lot of great entrepreneurs, they schedule their meetings and their um, work related stuff, but they've miss scheduling all the other things in their life. So that's one thing that's uh, uh, really helped me. And uh, thirdly, to maintain the uh, work-life balance, 
um, one of the important practices I have uh, would be to have my uh, whiteboard. It's it's basically like a track board, track sheet. So if I'm developing a new habit, which I feel is going to give me more balance, but for that new habit to really become a part of my life, I need to track it at least initially for a month or two. So I have this whiteboard in front of me and I have, uh, like, for example, I want to have uh, less sugar in my diet and I want to have more exposure to the sun. And, you know, I, if I have some important micro habits that I want to develop this month, I would mark all those important habits and date wise, I would put a tick or a cross next to it. So that really helped me to uh, stay focused and develop these new habits, which ultimately helps me stay more balanced. I love that so much. I love that you talk about needing to like put it in the schedule for it to happen because I'm the same way. Mm -hmm. And for years, I did not uh, put anything in the schedule that wasn't work. Like work, I put every little thing in there. But if it had to do with like my personal life, my goals, anything else, I wouldn't put it in there. And so when I never had enough time you know, for me or my actual personal life, I was always like, well, why do I not have enough time for this thing type of thing? And it's like, well, because you're not prioritizing it. So Mm -hmm. now I actually like I spend the first part of my day, I actually spend three hours doing personal stuff, working out, meditating, you know, doing all that stuff before I even open up my computer to work because I know I'll kind of get into that work zone and it's a little bit hard for me to get out of. So I actually don't even start working until 10 a.m. anymore. And that's been a big game changer um, for my life, for my schedule and for having balance. So I absolutely love that. And I love that you talk about, um, you know, like micro habits, because I feel like people don't realize like it's it's not always just about like a giant big habit or something Mm -hmm. that you're going to spend an hour on every day. Sometimes it's the little things that really add up and make our life so much fuller, so much better, you know, make us healthier, happier. Um, So I love that you track those little micro things and, you know, kind of focus on them for two months because yeah, once you get going with them, it's a lot easier to keep up with them and, and keep them in your life. That's so true. Yeah. So go ahead and remind our listeners um, where they can find you on the internet and let them know how they can support you going forward. Sure. I have something very special uh, to offer to all the listeners out here. I've created something called the Author Success Bootcamp. Now, this is a free five-day live bootcamp with me inside my Facebook group. And this is where I help aspiring authors to set the right foundation for their book, like choosing the right topic for their book, creating the outline for their book and all those important things that they need to have before they get started with the writing. So if you want to be a part of that, just head over to happyselfpublishing.com slash tribe. It will take you to our Facebook group, Happy Authors Tribe. Just be a part of it. And as soon as we have the next bootcamp coming up, you will be notified. I love that. Thank you so much for offering that to our listeners. That's really exciting. I'm excited for people. to Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun because it's not just like, Uh, a do-it-yourself course. I'm going to be there live to answer questions. So it's going to be fun. That's such a steal. So I'm excited for all our listeners to go out and learn and take this journey to start publishing their books. And the years now, like now is no better time but the present. So thank you so much. Thanks, uh, Angelica. This was such a nice conversation. Thank you.